the third quarter results are in and GDP was positive in the US. So why does it feel like we're already in recession? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of October 31st, 2022, and we're wishing you a very happy Halloween. I myself will be taking my dog and my niece trick-or-treating this year. They're both going to be bumblebees. So cute. That's so cute. I myself am wearing a pumpkin-colored sweater for today, so that's my contribution to the festivities. But for today's episode, we thought about describing the spookiest and scariest things about the economy and the market right now. But then we realized that just about everything feels spooky and scary enough as it is, excluding a dog in a bumblebee costume, that is, which is so adorable. That's right. And things feeling scary is exactly what we're focusing on today. GDP data for the third quarter came out last Thursday with a positive and better than expected result. But it's not being taken as some amazing positive sign that all is well with the economy. So what gives? Quick summary on the data. The U.S. economy grew 2.6% on an annualized basis in the third quarter. That is a relatively strong steady state no matter what economic cycle you look at. Long-term U.S. GDP growth is expected to be closer to 1.5 or 2%. And it's especially strong given two other points of context. One, as Lauren mentioned, it was stronger than the 2.4% expected by economists. Number two, it's way stronger than in the first half of 2022. Growth in the first and second quarters was negative 1.6% and negative 0.6% respectively and annualized. Well, at least on the surface, then that sounds like all good news. And in many ways it is because positive growth is a good thing and it could always have been worse, but the market did not see it that way. And actually the S&P 500 fell by 0.6% last Thursday, the day that this data came out. So to us, that means that there's something going on underneath the positive and better than expected results. So we took a look at which parts of the economy contributed to and those that detracted from growth. I can start us off with the contributors that supported growth in the third quarter, the biggest of which were corporate investments in equipment, federal government spending, namely on defense, and very strong exports, particularly of goods, especially petroleum products. On the flip side, the detractors that dragged growth down are the ones that are more felt and more observable in daily life. Chief among these is a slowing in consumer demand, and specifically, we're looking at a slowing of demand for goods but people are still spending robustly on services. So think vacations and haircuts. So slower household demand was reflected in this GDP data through imports of goods, which also slowed. Other than consumption, housing was the other key pain point in this report. We saw the biggest hit to residential investment, aka housing, since Q2 of 2020, the height of the pandemic. You know, as much as those segments of decline are not fun per se, at least they reflect the weekly and monthly data that we are receiving between these GDP prints. So households are clearly feeling the inflation crunch, and that's eating into spending. And the housing market is feeling the heat from rising interest rates. So at least the story is matching what investors have seen and felt in the recent quarters between the GDP data. Question with that in mind, is there 
a positive spin we could put on the consumer side of this story? Because we know that during the pandemic, a lot of people spent on what we could call durables, those big ticket purchases. So think cars and fridges and to hoard food, couches to watch TV on, bigger TVs to watch TV on, exercise equipment to make up for all that TV watching on. Ah, so you're wondering if demand for those big goods is down just because so many households made those larger purchases already? Yeah, that's part of it. But it's also that we expected this to happen. In our 2022 outlook, our base case scenario called for good spending to fade over the course of the year and services spending to rise as the course of the year as the economy reopened. And if anything, it's that good spending held on longer than we thought it would. That's true. But I think there's still more bad news here than just the post-COVID reopening of the economy. Spending on the durable goods you mentioned was down, but spending on non-durables, those smaller ticket daily spending items, that was down more. So if spending on durables collapsed while the daily spending held up, that would be a more convincing narrative though. Okay, well, bummer. <laughs> so that was the third quarter. It was positive, but a very mixed bag under the surface and showed some signs of the pain points that most people knew about, consumer and housing slowdown. But various surveys of Americans suggest that for the past several months, the majority of people have felt that despite these changing, although in this case, positive GDP numbers, we are already in a recession, or at least it feels like that. And so the disconnect here between what the numbers are actually saying and what people are actually feeling, I gotta say that's about inflation. I completely agree. Inflation is above 8% and wages aren't. So for many, many months, incomes haven't been keeping pace with the cost of living. And that feels recessionary. You know, it might be helpful for some of our listeners to understand that it's inflation that we're feeling, not a growth slowdown, and it's not a weak labor market. But frankly, that difference is really semantics. The bottom line is that people don't feel good about their economic situation right now, and that is recessionary. That's right, and that's just the real economy. If you add the fact that equity markets are down about 20% this year on average, and you get not just the income effect you were describing, Julia, but also the wealth effect as people feel their wealth declining. Exactly. When your retirement accounts and your net worth are down, even if you have 10 or 20 plus years until retirement, it doesn't help you feel better about rising prices today. It's a great time to be a homeowner with a fixed rate mortgage right now, isn't it? <laughs> Only if you don't want to move from that house anytime soon, yes. Let's think about the what next then, the outlook for the economy, because we're, we're getting a lot of mixed results here. On the face of it, we expect growth to slow in 2023, and we believe the risk of recession is high next year, but it's not all bad news. Keep in mind that this year, the major driver of bearish price action and volatility in the market has been the rise in interest rates. And the market pays a lot of attention to change at the margin, not just where things are right now. So when those expectations for interest rate hikes peak out, that's the peak hawkishness we're already talking about, we could see some relief. Some are calling this a Fed pivot on the horizon, and we'd be cautious with that term. A Fed pause is very possible, maybe probable, but I wouldn't call it a pivot because even if the Fed paused today, before this week's Fed meeting, which we expect to have further increases in interest rates, even today, rates would be in restrictive territory or constraining the economy. Next year, we think the market will be affected by that ever-moving balance between the potential for a Fed pause and why the Fed might need to pause. By this, we mean slowing growth and even potentially recession. We believe the market may have further to fall in response to a weakening in the labor market or a big hit to corporate earnings. But the Fed's hiking cycle this year has already inflicted a fair amount of pain. 
So that's the key question for next year then. Can the market rally on a Fed pause, not pivot, even if growth is slowing at the same time? That brings us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. Now, Julia, we ventured into some pretty spooky and scary territory without meaning to. So let's lighten things up with some of our guidance on what to do when the growth outlook is mixed. Inflation is high and interest rates are still rising, aka the environment we have right now. Yes. First of all, we have to reiterate our lesson for the majority of investors from last week's episode. Stay in the market. An investor's best bet for positive real returns, that is, returns adjusted for inflation, is to stay invested. Remember, the dividends and coupon payments that have the potential to build income even when price action is bearish. And if you're out of the market, you can't gain any from any recovery, which, as we discussed, makes a significant difference for long-term returns. And, just as we covered, what that recovery looks like is still very much up in the air, so it's not to be missed. And our investment preferences from last week apply as well. What I'd add is that this is a great time to look at any buying opportunities. Markets on sale, pick your poison. (laughs) Haha, another spooky pun. We'd approach this from the broad perspective of diversification. Market price action has been severe so far, and now could be a good time to rebalance in buying in areas that have been hit hardest, consulting an investment professional, or sticking with pre-diversified strategies that are rebalanced for you could be an interesting solution here. And finally, going back to my mention of dividends, strategies that focus on building income along the way also look great right now. Remember that you can lean on both the equity and fixed income sides of your portfolio for this. Coming up next, it's Fed Week again. This Wednesday will be the second to last Fed meeting of 2022. We're expecting a 75 basis point interest rate hike, and we hope to hear some guidance on what the Fed is thinking for its December meeting. You'll get a readout from us next week. And in the meantime, as strategist and teammate Michael Logalbo says, keep calm and carry a wand. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date. It is subject to change and not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as a research or investment advice regarding the funds or issuer or any security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy in particular. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account individuals' financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Diversification does not ensure a profit or protect against a loss in a declining market. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nye Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nye Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.